Good morning, church. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Um, let's see, where, Rebecca, don't leave. Rebecca and Kyle just got married last week. They got back from their honeymoon, so let's welcome them back. Yeah. It's always good to see them together after their honeymoon. All right. And also, just something else, another special announcement. It's my wife's birthday today. You can, you can ask her how old she is. I will not do that. All right. So, no, it's good to see everyone here today. So, we are finishing up the book of Joshua today. It's been a great journey. I don't know if you've enjoyed your time going through this great book of history. But last week, as we talked about the two and a half tribes of Israel going back to their homeland, Joshua sent them away, and we learned that they were a group of men who followed God obediently. But they were also a group of men who followed God willingly, willfully obedient to God. Well, today our, our message is called Strength for Service. Joshua 23 and 24. Let me ask you a question. If you knew it was your last day on earth, what would you say and who would you say it to? If it was your last day on earth, what would you say? What would be your words of advice or wisdom and who would you say it to? That's where we are here in Joshua. Joshua is standing before his leaders, standing before the nation, and he is giving his last word. So I thought it would be interesting just to go through some famous words from people in our world, in our history. So let's start with good old Benjamin Franklin. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. John F. Kennedy, with his famous speech, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Famous uh, Green Bay Packers coach Vince Lombardi said this, it's, whether, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up. Winston Churchill, keep calm and carry on. I see shirts around in our culture today with that on it. The late Kobe Bryant said this, everything negative pressure challenges is all an opportunity for me to rise. And lastly, from Thomas Jefferson, honesty is the first chapter in the book of wisdom. Now, I just share some words of wisdom from individuals who have passed, of course, but they're things that we remember. Now, Joshua here, as we come to the last two chapters, Joshua 23, let's set this up. He is talking to the leaders of Israel. As we're going to read, he's calling the leaders of Israel. And then Joshua 24, he summons the three million Israelites, and he gives him his final words before he passes from this life. So let's look at verses 1 through 5. We'll start with 1 through 3, actually. Joshua 23. A long time afterwards, circle that phrase. We're going to come back and address that. A long time afterwards, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years. If you remember, chapter 13, God told Joshua that. Joshua, you're old and advanced in years. We don't like being told we're old. Right, Dave? You're not old, Del, right? <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. I need to move on here. Where was I? Oh, verse 3. Joshua summoned all the Israelites, elders, the heads, as judges, as officers, and said to them, I am now well and bold advanced in years, and you have seen all the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. 
one thing we can remember, I want you to take with you this morning, as we see Moses, as we see Joshua, and any leader that's ever lived, guess what? God buries his workers. Wow, Pastor Jason, that's pretty harsh. He does. But his work still moves on. God buries his workers, but his work still moves on. He puts leaders and people in positions to further his plan for what he wants for our world. Just like Moses did at the beginning of Joshua, passing the torch to Joshua. Joshua now, we see him at 110 years of age. Have, have anyone knew anyone that lived to 110? I haven't. But he's standing there and he knows it needs to be passed. The torch needs to be passed for future generations. So I thought it would be interesting before as we start into this message, I'd like us to look back at Joshua's active years of ministry. So many times we think people retire from ministry. We retire from our jobs. But ministry is something that God wants us to, to do to the day we die. So let's, you help me out with my math because I'm not really great at math. But we see Joshua's years of ministry, 40 years in the wilderness. Being mentored, being prepped for this position of leadership. 40 years. So you got the number 40, right? So 40. Seven years from Joshua 1 to Joshua 22. Seven years of conquest. That's what Scripture tells us. It's believed that those, those, these battles were seven years. That's 47 years. Am I doing good, Bob? 47. 47. Okay, great. Now, that phrase, a long time afterwards, as we just read in Joshua 23, many historians and theologians believe that was about 10, 15 years time span. So that puts us at about 60, 65 years that Joshua is in active ministry for God. Now, if you say someone served in the church as a pastor for 35, 40 years, you're like, wow, that guy is old. 60 years? 60 years. Joshua was a great example of doing things God's way. Through the ups, through the downs, he faithfully served God through it all. Eugene Peterson wrote... A book in 1980, and it was called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. What a great title to describe Joshua's life. A Long Obedience in a Long, in a long Same Direction. Obeying God through it all, Joshua, he was always moving in the direction God wanted him to go. So now we see him, 110. He's old, he's experienced. Remember what Proverbs says in Proverbs 16.31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. Can I get an amen from all my gray hair folks? Amen? Listen, you can't have a little bit of gray hair. You've got to be a full head gray to say amen. All right? See, the life, life lessons and applications that Joshua can give to his people. And for us as a younger generation... We need not look down on the older folks, the older generation. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking. We need to glean and learn from them. Amen, young people? Okay, I didn't hear much of a great amen. That doesn't sound good. But you understand what I mean. They are the individuals that have served in ministry here. They have a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom to pass on. Make sure we accept that freely. So this morning I have four particular principles or points, life lessons, life applications, but they're in question format for a reason because I want all of us 
after this message, next week, next month, six months from now, to put these in your Bible, put them, a pl put them at a place where you can see them, because these are questions you're going to ask yourself as you evaluate your service to God. So our first principle this morning is this, and we look, just look, Joshua just served, we see him actively serving God for 60, 65 years. First question I have for us this morning, are you serving the Lord faithfully? Are you serving the Lord faithfully? What would you say to that? Now you know what I'm going to say here. It's not the fact that you're sitting in church every Sunday. It's not the fact that you go to a Bible study. Are you faithfully serving the Lord with your gifts and abilities to advance his kingdom, to grow and be, have a church that's healthy for God? See, God gives us spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 gives us a list of spiritual gifts. Yes, some of those gifts have ceased at the end of the first century, but there's many of those gifts that still are used today in the church for the advancement of God's kingdom. I don't know about you, but me, when I stand before Jesus, I want to hear just one phrase. And we see that phrase in Matthew 25 in the parable of the talent. And you know what the phrase is. What is it? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not well done, thou good and successful servant. Not well done, thou good and popular servant. But well done, thou good and faithful servant. How about you? Write that question down. Are you serving God faithfully? How would you respond to that? So let's continue on verse 5 as we see how Joshua is encouraging these group of leaders. Remember, he is talking to the leaders of the nation of Israel. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the Great Sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Why was the nation of Israel victorious? Yes. God. God did it all. Those seven years of conquest in the land of Canaan was all about God. It would be like if, if, I, if, if I happened to have the, the, the opportunity to play in a two-on-two -two basketball tournament with Stephen Curry. Okay? If I played basketball with him two-on-two, -two, we would win, most likely. He would probably score all the points. But I would, I would gloat in the victory. Ah, we won. We took that game. We won. And everyone said, yeah, but he scored all the points. That's exactly what God did with Israel here. Israel could not take any glory whatsoever for any of these victories. It was all who? God. See, Joshua is reminding them that God will continue to fight for them. God is always here for them, even as Joshua passes from the scene. Church, let's not forget that God is with us as well. I love seeing how God takes the Old Testament and New Testament and brings it all together, because it's one book, isn't it? One big story of redemption. 
Many times as we growing up, okay, the Old Testament is what happened way back then. Now the New Testament is for us. But the whole Bible, the whole counsel is for all of us today. Amen? It's the inspired Word of God. And I love this, this picture here. God does not forget about His people. See, through prophecy, we read in the Old Testament, major and minor prophets talk about Israel and how God is, was angry with them and God blessed them. And we see the, the story of, of Israel. We come to the end of the Old Testament. Malachi was written about 435 B.C. And then after that book was written, we remember where it was 400 years of what? Silence. God was not talking to humanity. God was not talking to prophets. But Matthew comes around. New Testament comes around. And God speaks. And what's he remind us? I want us to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. We know this verse because Matthew references prophet Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And we know this verse because it's a verse we recite during Christmas. He says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Did God forget about his people? No. God was silent, but does not mean he was not there. And I love how he ends Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus, before he's ascended into heaven, what's he tell his followers? And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with us, has always been with us, has never forsaken us. Remember, Joshua is talking to the leaders here. They need to get this because now they are going to lead this people in their lands. God is always with you no matter what. So the question for us is we see Joshua talking to the leaders. And we, we addressed this a couple, a couple weeks ago. So let me ask you a question. Those involved with ministry, who are you looking behind at that you can pass your experience in ministry. Who are you looking to pass the faith to as we look forward to move ahead and look forward in, in our Christian faith and our Christian life? As Joshua has built leaders for this moment, let me ask us as a faith Bible church, who are we pouring into as we move forward as a ministry? Let's look at verses 6 through 11. Therefore, be strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it, neither to the right nor to the left, that you may not mix with the nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their God or, God, or swear by them or serve them or bow before them, but you shall cling. That word cling there in the Hebrew means hold fast. Circle that word, but hold fast. You're to hold fast to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. And Joshua reminds them, verse 9, For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to fight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised. Be careful, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Underline that, circle that. We are going to come back to that. Love the Lord your God. Joshua knows his leaders all too well well. He knows the nation all too well. What did he tell them not to do? Don't mix with the nations. Don't mention their God. Don't swear by them. Don't serve them. Don't bow down to them. 
See, when we're connected, when we're, when we're clinging to God, guess what? And for us, being, clinging to God's word, it keeps us from loving other things more important than Jesus. Because we're focused on God. So Joshua did not want the nation of Israel to be sidetracked because he knew as soon as they would get with the, the inhabitants of the land, their, their temptation, their weakness was following suit with the religion of the land. He wanted to love the Lord, their God. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us that Satan is an angel of light, right? Satan's an angel of light. He will deceive us. He will distract us. And if I was to, to say, I, I, I don't, I'm not a betting man, but if I was to bet, Satan, if he was going to distract us from Jesus, I don't believe he would use the idea of trying to get us to, to worship another deity. Like, Michael, I, I don't think God's going to, Satan's going to tempt you to go be a Mormon. He's like, no, I wouldn't there be more. Yeah. Or agnostic, or a Jehovah's Witness, or is. But what's Satan do for individuals who are in God's Word? Think we got it all together. What's he do? He distracts us. He, we don't have to serve another deity to be distracted and not love the Lord your God. Amen? It's the things around us in this world that distract us. How about our family, our wife, our husband, our kids, our jobs, our sports? You can name it. They're the things that Satan is using in our culture to distract us away from loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to remember that anything that fights for our allegiance with Jesus is a problem. These things are not wrong. The things I mentioned are not wrong. But when they take priority over Christ, then they become our little G-God. Look what he reminds them again to do. Love the Lord your God. He mentioned it to the two and a half tribes going to the, back to the Transjordan last week because he knew there was going to be problems with some of the inhabitants in the land. And that has been Israel's problem through their history. If there was a title pastor in the Old Testament, Joshua was acting as a pastor here. Of course, that title did not come in until the, the, the early church in Acts. But here he is. He is shepherding his people. He is showing his people spiritual care. Listen, love the Lord your God. Don't get involved with this stuff. Don't worship these gods. Don't say their name. Joshua wanted his leaders to know that they needed to love God, and God was there with him, and he would fight for them. Church, he is there for us as well. Do you see Joshua repeating to the leaders this phrase? Verse 5 and verse 11, love the Lord your God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus also tells his followers in Mark chapter 12 the very same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our second point of application is this. Does your life reflect your allegiance to Jesus? Does your life reflect your allegiance to Jesus? We learned, first question I have for us, are you willing to serve God faithfully? Second question I want us to ask ourselves, does your life reflect your allegiance to Jesus? Man, I need to talk to you for a moment. What would your family say about your allegiance? Who are you allegiant to? Is it Jesus? Is it your job? Is it your hobbies? Men, we need to take leadership in our homes, that we are leading our families. 
spiritually. Bottom line. Ladies, if you have taken that responsibility, thank you. But God has given that to the men to lead spiritually. Sometimes truth hurts. Men, if we are not leading our families, we are a failure as a dad and we are a failure as a husband. That hurts. I always hated telling players that I played, man, you really stunk today. Sometimes in the church we got to hear, man, I am not doing what I need to do. But the good news is, men, today can be the change for you. You can leave here this morning and say, you know what, Pastor Jason's right. i got to start taking lead of leading my family spiritually. Praying with them. Taking my kids to the church. Being involved with me so they see what it is about. Ladies who have to step up and take that job, thank you. And if you have to, give your husband a quick, a quick swift in the, kick in the backside. And say, man, this is your job, man. You need to do this. If not, Pastor Jason will beat you with a wet noodle, whatever. <laughs> Your allegiance needs to be to Jesus and no one else, men. Again, Joshua was reminding these leaders, love God. Love God. Let's continue on verse 12. For if you turn back and cling, now there's a repercussion here. If you don't cling, again, that, what's that word mean? Cling in the Hebrew means what? Hold fast. If you decide to hold fast to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they, will, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground the Lord your God has given you. I see there's three consequences when we do not love the Lord your God or the nation of Israel. We see three consequences, but it relates to us as well. I think the first consequence is defeat is defeat. He will no longer drive out the inhabitants of the land. Defeat. Number two, discomfort. What's he tell them in verse 13? Snares, traps, thorns, and whips. And we understand Israel's history. When they were oppressed, that's exactly what happened to them. And number three, disgrace. With God tell them they will be taken off the land God has given to them. If you apply that to our life spiritually, when, when, when we suffer the consequences of sin, we don't follow God and we don't love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our spiritual walk, we, we're defeated, aren't we? We're not in God's word the when, how we should be. We're not praying the way we should. Discomfort. Yes, there, there might be consequences to sins that we're dealing with. That cause discomfort in our life. And lastly, sometimes it, we are disgraced. The way that we're living. The things that we say. Defeat, discomfort, disgrace. Joshua has told them, listen, up to now you've obeyed God up to this point. But now you have a choice. We've heard it said, Israel was taken out of Egypt, but was Egypt really taken out of Israel? You say that the same with us today. You know, Christians can be taken out of the world, but is the world taken out of Christians? 
See, it's this principle of separation. God wanted the, wanted the nation of Israel to be separate from the, their worship, separate from their, the temptation of following the other nations. He wanted them to be separate from them because he knew the temptation they would, they would encounter. See, we understand God did not create us to have a monastery environment. Remember the monasteries? We probably don't. But history tells us that, you know, priests and monks would go up into the mountains for months and years, and they would, you know, worship and pray and, and read Scripture and meditate. Is that how God wants us to live? Now, yeah, taking a week to get away? Absolutely. For years and months? No, God would create us to, to thrive in a missionary environment. To be around people, to be in the world, but not of the world. If we look at John 17, Jesus prayed to his father in his high priestly prayer. He said, Father, sanctify them in truth. Just as you sent me to the world, I am sending them into the world with truth. To be around people, to be a light. If we look at Jesus' life in the Gospels, we see Jesus' life. He was around those people, the outcasts, the downtrodden, the lepers, the harlots, the tax collectors, and the list goes on. Why? So they could see truth. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 22 and 23. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might see some saved. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. God wanted Israel to love God so others could see the love. And we see that example. We see Ruth. Ruth was an example coming along into the nation of Israel because she believed God because of the example set. We see Rahab becoming into Israel, following Israel's God because of the testimony and the example. Does your life reflect the allegiance to Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Look at verse 14. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. It's very important. That Hebrew phrase there means, guess what? I'm ready to kick the bucket. So there's no Hebrew words. I'm ready to die. Okay. Yes, laugh. You can laugh at that. That's good. And you know in your hearts and souls and of all of you that no one word has failed all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Joshua is telling these leaders, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm going the way of the earth. I am dying. But I want you to know that God has been faithful. He has, down to every word he has told us, he has come through. He's saying, look back in these past 20 years or so and see what God has done. Don't forget. You need to make this part of your leadership curriculum. Don't forget. Which brings us to our third application this morning, and that is this. Do, not, I mean, do, you, do you take inventory of God's faithfulness? Do you take inventory of God's faithfulness in your life? Sit down this week and jot down all the things God has done for you. Even through struggle, even through trial, is God faithful? Yes, write those things down. So we come to the end of that list. All this should cause us to do is to praise him, to thank him, and to live for him. I challenge you to do that this week. Do you take inventory of God's faithfulness?
That's what Joshua is telling the nation, the leaders to do. Remember God. Remember what he's done. Okay, now again, Joshua reminds here in verse 15, if they disobey, this is what's going to happen. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so, so the Lord will bring upon you all evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. Look at verse 16. He says the same phrase at the end of 16, and you shall perish quickly off the good land that the Lord has given you. Joshua says it three times, verse 5, verse 15, verse 16. Listen, if you disobey, this is what's going to happen. And what they tell you in, in, in biblical hermeneutics class or Bible study class, when things are mentioned more than once, pay attention to it, right? When your parents told you to do something, second, third, you, you better listen. Why? Because there's punishment coming. See, Moses told the nation, the nation of Israel when he was leader the same thing in Deuteronomy 28. If you do not follow God, God's anger will be upon you. Okay, so let's remember our history here of Israel. The land was given to Abraham in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. It's an unconditional covenant. What does that mean? It means there's no strings attached. This is your land. You don't do, need to do anything for it. Here it is. However... I believe there is a condition on the enjoyment of that land. God gave them that land. But God is saying, listen, you must obey. You must follow. You must love me. Each generation had a choice to enjoy that land by obeying God. If we were to advance in our study into Judges, we would see this story, 480 years of this span of rebellion, repentance, renewal, repeat. Rebellion, repentance, renewal, repeat. 480 years of this cycle. We think of the Assyrian captivity. We think of the Babylonian captivity. We think of the city of Jerusalem being destroyed in 70 A.D. When the nation of Israel failed to follow God and do things God's way, they did not enjoy the land God gave them. What happened? They were under oppression. They were slaves. They were killed. They were murdered. Think about our salvation the same way. Our salvation is free, isn't it? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace are we saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. God gave us salvation through Jesus out of his grace, out of his mercy, out of his loving kindness. Did we deserve it? No. But the enjoyment of our Christian life in walking with Christ... It's a decision we have to make to follow this book, right? We know many individuals that are sitting in this room, and you're following God's word. God's blessing. You. God, you're, you're, God is honoring you. Is Christian life easy? No. But God is with you every step of the way because you're following his word. But we know under other individuals in our lives that choose not to follow God. And what is their life like? Hardships, struggle. They can't figure it out. They're choosing not to enjoy the blessings of God if they would just follow God's word. And that's where the nation of Israel is at this time. 
the concern for Joshua, for his leaders, and for his people, that they do not fall away the temptations of the foreign gods. He knows, and sitting thousands of years ahead, we see why, because of Israel's history. So he just said this to the leaders of, uh, of Israel. Now, in chapter 24, he summons the three million Israelites. And now he is now sharing with them. So Joshua 24, the start of verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and sum summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord... Much of Joshua's message we're about to read is taken in review of God's blessing for them. He called them out, called Abraham out beyond the Euphrates River. He delivered them from the oppression of Egypt. And as we just studied these past three months, he is giving them conquest in land of Canaan. So as we overview the next several verses, we don't have time to go through every verse, one thing we must understand about Jewish storytelling is this. In every instant of them telling a story, they weave their history into that story. As a remembrance of God's faithfulness. If you were to look, if we were to go ahead in Acts chapter 7, we see the speech from Stephen before he is stoned. That is a, that's one of the, it's the longest chapter in Acts, and he weaves Israel's history into his speech, into his statement. We can see an example of this of Prime Minister ben, Benjamin Netanyahu in 2015 when he stood before the U.S. Congress. You can go Google that or YouTube that. You can watch that 45-minute speech. In that speech, he talks about King David. In that speech, he talks about their, their father, Abraham. So let's see what Joshua is telling the nation. Look at verses 2 and 3. It's the call of Abraham. They go back to the beginning. Hey, this look what God has done, given us the land via Abraham. Then verses 4, he talks about the patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, all the, the families there, the patriarchal family of Abraham. Verses 5 and 6, the Israel's captivity in Egypt. Verses 7, he talks about the crossing of the Red Sea. And then verses 8 through 13, Joshua again concludes this speech with what God has just done for them in the past seven years of the conquest for Israel. I believe God is reminding the nation of Israel here something as they walk down memory lane. And I think it's something to, to take note of this morning. God uses three bodies of water here in this passage of Scripture. The Euphrates River, the Red Sea, and the Jordan River. I believe God here is, he, 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 you see him separating these people from their past. Euphrates River. God brought Abraham beyond the Euphrates River. Abraham's father, Terah, was a manufacturer of idols. We know that. And for 70 years before Abraham was called, most likely because of Old Testament culture, fathers helping their sons, that Abraham probably was part of his business. He pulls Abraham out of Ur beyond the Euphrates. Their separation. Look what he does with the Red Sea. We know the story. He brings the nation of Israel out across the Red Sea into another land. 
Remember, it was their choice to wander 40 years. It only took 11 days to march from Egypt to the Promised Land, but because of their sin of disobedience and complaining, God allowed them to meander for 40 years. There was a separation from the, the gods and the philosophy of Egypt to for God to get the nation of Israel's attention. And of course, we see here the Jordan River, Joshua crossing the Jordan River, separation from the land of Canaan. Joshua's concern here, I believe in his speech, is he, God wants us, our, all, all of our, in our totality, to love and serve God. No distractions. Think about in your life, what did God take you out of, take you from, so you could be focused on him? Now, church, it comes to the point with the, 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 the passage of Scripture that gives us a choice. Verses 14 and 15. Circle this verse, underline this verse. This is key verse. This is the moment of application. This is a moment of decision for the nation of Israel. And probably some of us have put this to memory. Some of us have this verse hanging in our house. Verse 14, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river. There we go, the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. I think that's kind of, kind of like a little jab there. You think it's evil to serve the Lord. What's he say? Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods from your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell in now. What's he say here? Here we know. What's he say? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's our choice. That's why these points of application are questions for us. It's for us to decide what are we going to choose. So quickly, as, as time is escaping us, let's just go through and just look at the conversation. Verses 16 through 18. The nation of Israel, verse 18 says, Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Verses 19 through 20, verses 19 and 20. Joshua says, You are not able to serve the Lord God because he is holy. The response in 21, no, but we will serve the Lord. We're, Joshua, we're going to do this. Look at verse 23. Being the leader, being that man, being that general, he knew his people well. He said to them, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. He knew that even in the camp of Israel, even what God has brought them through, there were individuals that were worshiping foreign gods. He says, listen, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to give him your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, you need to put away the gods among you. In verses 24 through 27, Joshua makes a covenant with them. He continues, writes in the law of God. And, make, and we continue in that story. A stone is put up as a, as a symbol of remembrance of the covenant that was made for the nation of Israel. And look at verse 31. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work of the Lord did for Israel. Theologians and some historians believe that there is possibly 20 to 40 years of time as those elders pass before we get into Judges and we know the story of Judges. So we come to the end of Joshua. These leaders serve. They follow God. They put away their foreign gods. So our th three points so far are this. Are you serving the Lord faithfully? Does your life reflect your allegiance to Jesus? 
Do you take inventory of God's faithfulness? And lastly is this. This is, this is, the, this is the, the, the question. We come to the point of decision. What spiritual commitment are you willing to make to the Lord? What spiritual commitment are you willing to make to the Lord? It's your choice. It's our choice to do this. And like I said before, as I was talking to the guys, yeah, you, your life, you messed up, not, you know, not serving the Lord and struggling. And you can make a decision today to say, you know, this is the day that I'm going to serve the Lord. This is the day that me and my house are going to serve the Lord. I love what Hudson Taylor said. This is a powerful statement. If your Christian experience has not affected your household, then maybe you are not really a Christian. Just chew on that for a moment. If your Christian experience has not affected your household, then maybe you are not really a Christian. In closing, it seems that these families, per the text we read in Joshua, they follow God. They made the decision, and a generation after continued to follow in the ways that Joshua brought them up for. They had a strong nation. Church, if we have a strong family, our church will be strong. Our communities will be strong. And it comes down to that decision. Each dad has to make, each mom has to make. Do you love the Lord your God? Who will you serve? Are you going to serve your job? Are you going to serve, serve your family? Are you going to serve your community? Are you going to serve all good things, your money? Are you going to serve all these things? Or is your allegiance going to be to Jesus? That you will choose this day to serve God. Joshua gave him a choice. Hey, you can go back and serve them. But you know the consequences of that. For us as Christians here in the 21st century, when we don't follow God, we don't get God's blessings. We don't serve the Lord with happiness. Our lives are a mess when we're not serving God. We're not, we're not focused on being allegiant to Him. And some of us have lived life that way. We've fallen back and served those many little gods that are in our life. So Christians, here's my last employment to you. Who will you serve? Your choice. Will you serve God? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, we just pray that we would make a commitment this morning, all of us, that we say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Starting today, no other gods are going to be before me. No other gods are going to be, be more important than Jesus. He is going to be the person that I follow, the God that I live for, and everything else is taking second fiddle. With your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, maybe you need to make a commitment this morning and I'm not going to ask for people to come forward I'm not going to ask any of that stuff um, because people can come forward with things and, and I've been that doing that my whole life but really here's the bottom line if today maybe you're not serving God the way you should you your allegiance is not to God and today you're going to say for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord we are going to this it's a new day in our household Things are going to change. Jesus is going to be important. Church is going to be important. Ministry is going to be important. Not for just saying we're doing it, but doing it because God has gifted us in those areas. 
just like I would tell my athletic teams to go back out after halftime. Listen, you've got to figure it out. Church, many of us in here have been saved for a long period of time. You've got to figure it out. You know what you need to do, so do it. Make that commitment today, brother, sister. Make it. And let me tell you, when you make that commitment, it's not going to be easy because now Satan is going to come at you even harder. But just like we shared at the beginning of our message, God is with you. And he is with me. And he will fight for us. Give your heart to him today. Say, God, I make a decision. I am following you. My allegiance is to you. Christ, you are enough.